Genesis chapter 4. I want to make sure I'm quoting that right. Genesis chapter 4, verse 10. And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Understand something. There is a power in the blood. Don't we sing that verse all the time? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Remember I told you to start with that there's some things I'm not going to be able to tell you. I don't know why, I don't know how, but there is an amazing power that God has put in shed blood. For thousands of years, pagans have focused a lot of their rituals around shed blood. And God himself says, there's blood on the ground here that's crying unto me. It's calling unto God. And we just talked about the verse in Deuteronomy where it said they had shed blood and it was calling unto new gods, newly called up. Don't underestimate the power of this blood that we are talking about. God commands us not to eat with it, not to mess with it, because there is something extremely special, extremely powerful about blood. Now, y'all heard of the uh, of bloodletting? Okay, I've said this before. Uh, you know that our, our first president, George Washington, died because of bloodletting? You guys remember what bloodletting is, right? Bloodletting, they thought if you were sick, you had a, a problem with your blood. So to remove the sickness, they would just remove your blood. And the sicker you got, the more blood that they would remove. Because they didn't take to consideration what God's word said. If you take away somebody's blood, they're dead. Okay, because life is in the blood. There's power. The life force of every living creature is blood. Now, isn't it a surprise? Now, I just talked about uh, verses of what God told us happens in the Bible. But what is one of the major movie themes that's come out here? What Lon Chaney and some of these other guys played him early? Bella Lugosi, Dracula. What do vampires do? Drink blood. Guys, we're coming up on a holiday. I'll call it that because we want to call it a holy day. But in our area, probably the most popular holiday anymore is what? Halloween. Okay. And listen, I could tell. I don't want to go ahead and glorify any of them or give them any credibility, but. I think you and I know enough movies and enough stories and enough novels written that remind us about the amount of blood that is shed and the reasons that it is shed. Shed in human sacrifice to honor a leader, to christen a temple, to bless a harvest. Why do you think it is? There's so many people that want to have power brought upon something have been led to shed blood. Because from the very beginning, God made this 
with a specific power. It is special. It is powerful. It is precious. Are we getting the hint on how important this is? It's not just important because God said it. There have been thousands and thousands of years of those who have been led by spiritual forces who have called upon shed blood to add credence and power and to whatever ritual that they are casting. God made blood specific. Look, uh, Leviticus chapter 19. We'll be there in a couple of weeks, but I want you to see this. Leviticus chapter 19. It reminds us of this habit of this ritual of these terrible look at 1926 ye shall not eat anything with blood neither shall thou use enchantments nor observe times again reminding us that this blood issue was very very tied to enchantments and honoring different days and pagan demonic activity that the cultures of those days would shed blood gather around that blood and do all kinds of chanting and, and spells and everything guys this is not something that just hollywood has put out for the fantastic sort of enjoyment not to just get people to scream and yell because he scared them a little bit. The shedding of blood throughout history has been known to call up power. Please, and I'm saying this as a warning. Be careful. Please. Now, some of y'all, and I'm not going to tell you, there's some young people that are, oh man, did you see the newest horror movie come out? I can't wait to go see it. And I'm not telling you don't see it, but you better understand when you see how much these movies that are not generally focused in the direction of God, are they? Usually they're focused in the direction of evil, right? Why is it that movies that are anti-good and more evil have an obsession with blood? Oh, it's just something that's gross and, and people, you know, think... No, it's because spiritually there has been a warfare over the power source that is the lifeblood of humanity. There is something special and powerful about it. Now look, if you would, to verse 13 of the chapter we were just in. God gives instruction here very carefully. And this is, again, I'm not trying to over-dramatize this, but I'm not trying to minimalize it either. Either. Whatsoever there may be a man of the children of Israel or a sojourner, a stranger of the sojourners among you, which huncheth and catcheth a beast or a fowl that may be clean, eaten, um, here's the part I want, shall pour out the blood thereof and cover it with dust. So God says, listen, if you're out hunting and you are to kill an animal and blood is shed, you don't just leave that blood laying on the ground. You cover that blood with dust. God has a specific reaction that blood was not supposed to be just left there. Cheryl sent me this. She was doing some reading. Ezekiel. 
Ezekiel chapter 24. And if you're not really familiar on how to get to Ezekiel, just hang in there. I'll try to read it my best. Ezekiel chapter 24. I want, you to, I want you to listen to this verse and God's response to what happens here. Ezekiel chapter 24, verse 7. For her blood is in the midst of her. She set it upon the top of a rock. She poured it upon the rock. Uh, she poured it not on the ground to cover it with dust. God judges this because this, she, the city, poured the blood on top of the rock, didn't pour it on the ground and cover it with dust. Why this is, a, again, an idea that this was evil and demonic and pagan worship that was going on here. Blood was never supposed to be handled lightly to the point where if you shed blood, you kick dust over it so that no one could take that blood and use it in any other manner. Not only that, there's an interesting study you can do on um, you and I were made from dust and to dust we shall return. When a life is taken and blood is shed, dust was supposed to cover that blood. But I want you to understand the key to this that God says is you don't just leave that blood there. You cover it. It needs to be absorbed and, and that blood was precious enough that it could not just be left to its own devices. You with me so far? I, I need you to understand this because there's a picture we're about to look in that just blows the mind of the Israelites. Okay? This blood is so precious. There's such a power. There's a spiritual warfare that goes on. God instructs his people very carefully not to eat it, how to deal with it. If you shed it, cover it with blood. Folks, you better not be using it for rituals because it's used in rituals all throughout God's history to call up new gods newly come up. And we see it all, to, all now in all these evil movies that are not focused upon God, but focused upon evil demonic activity, how much blood is the center of it. This is not by accident because there's power in the blood. Blood is special. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. So now, that, now those of us who are believers who understand this picture already and heard my introduction that the blood that was shed on the Day of Atonement, that precious blood, is a picture of the one whose blood would cleanse all sin. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, the Bible says, And almost all things are... By the, uh, by the law, purged with blood. And without the setting of blood, there is no remission. We know the only way sin was dealt with is when this precious, precious fluid that was the life force of the flesh is shed. That is the only way you can receive remission of sin. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, and Colossians chapter 1, verse 14 says basically the same, these two Books say basically the same thing. Ephesians 1 7. In whom we have redemption. And of course, we're talking about Jesus Christ. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. The blood is precious. And we understand that only through the blood of Jesus Christ do you and I receive forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. 
Let me put out a little speculation here and something that other religious groups, when they look at this, ponder. I'm not going to say this is truth. I'm just going to give you something to think about. God very specifically says the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Now, when we talk about the flesh in the Bible, we're not necessarily talking about the body, okay? God often talks about the body. But if I say you can walk in the spirit or walk in the flesh, what am I talking about? Led by God or, okay, we're talking about a spiritual state, the flesh. So the life of this fallen flesh is in the blood. Interestingly enough, and again, I'll even step out from behind the pulpit. This is just speculation, and there are some other groups that say it, so I'm not sure 100%, but just ponder for a moment. Um, Adam and Eve, when they were created, Adam says an amazing thought. He says, you are now flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. Now, I don't know about you, but most of the common saying is, I'm just flesh and blood. Isn't that what we say? Just flesh and blood, just me. Adam says, you're flesh, you are flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. Interesting, but we know that Cain and Abel had blood, because Abel, his blood was shed, right, on the ground. Something interesting happens. So that's before, Jesus, before Adam and Eve fell, just a thought, not saying for sure, but just to consider something. Jesus, after his crucifixion, shows up in the upper room, and the disciples are there, and he tells Thomas, thrust your hand into my side, which means there was a big giant hole there still, yes? You can't thrust your hand into something if it's not there, um, which probably leads me to believe, and I'm just kind of thinking out loud, that Jesus probably wasn't having blood pour out of his body at that point. Because he shed all of his blood on the cross. Isn't it interesting that potentially, and again, just this is just, I told you to put the thinking caps on, that Adam and Eve, before they were in sinful flesh, potentially didn't have blood. Christ, when he's in his brand new body after the resurrection, looks as if he doesn't have blood. And the Bible is very clear here in all these passages that says the life of the flesh is in the blood. He doesn't just say life Life is in the blood. He says life, and it's specified clearly, of the flesh. And he actually says life of all flesh is in the blood. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not making a biblical statement. I'm just telling you that there's something special about blood to the point that potentially, because you and I are sinners who needed to have blood shed for sin, that God did something amazing and blood was made available as the remission, as the cure for sin, for the flesh. Interesting thought. Just make you go, hmm. Now, here's the idea. Got all that in you? You understand how powerful it is, how special it is, how amazing it is that it's supposed to be handled with care, not eaten, all that kind of stuff? Got all that down? Go to John. Because now, with all that, from a Jewish standpoint, all this understanding that we have of blood, John chapter 6, Jesus says something absolutely shocking. 
John chapter 6. Now that we understand how what an absolute amazing substance this is. Jesus in verse 53 says this. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto thee, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoa! We just went through this entire thing, understood all the concepts of the Old Testament, understand how important, how powerful, how much of a warning there is on how to deal with this, that you don't eat blood, and Jesus says, you need to drink my blood. You think every jaw in that room just hit the floor? What in the world is he talking about? Keep reading. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. After understanding all that, Jesus lets us in on a little picture. He says, You need to eat my flesh and drink, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now we understand. The next verse is going to make this kind of clear. Jesus isn't talking about his literal flesh and his literal blood. Okay, and I want this. There are still churches who are going to talk about this in a minute. Um, look at verse 58. This is that blood which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. Jesus said, this same flesh that I'm talking about is manna that came from heaven. Do you understand now he's talking symbolism? Well, he says, you've got to eat my flesh. It's the same bread that fell from heaven. Okay, So Jesus is making it clear that he's talking about a symbol here. That there's a flesh and a blood that is a symbol of what I'm talking about for eternal life. Because he wouldn't say, this is the same stuff, same bread that your fathers ate in the wilderness. So we know he's not talking about his literal flesh, because little pieces of Jesus didn't fall down all through the Old Testament. I know I'm being silly, but I want to make sure we're clear that he's talking about symbolism here. He's talking about his own life his own body, his own blood. That is why it says, verse 55, my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Now, roll it back and tell me why do you and I eat? <laughs> Thank you. That's the perfect answer. To live. So when Jesus says, my body and my blood is your nourishment, you need it to live. You get the picture? This is why it's so important that we understand this whole thing. Just as much as you and I need to go out and eat some hamburgers or go eat a peanut butter and jelly or whatever it is we might eat. If you want to go get a salad, knock yourself out. If you don't do that, you can't live. Well, Jesus here is making it clear. Without his blood and his body, you will not live. Now, we know what he's talking about, don't we? Because he makes it very clear when he says, hath eternal life. You and I eat every day 
to keep this flesh alive. But if you and I want eternal life, we need to be nourished by eating and drinking of his body and his blood, not literal. And please, next week we'll do it. We do it every month. We have the Lord's Supper. And Jesus says, this is my blood that was shed for you. A little cup of, cup of juice, right? This is my body, a little piece of bread. We picture this all the time. Now, please, there are those who misunderstand this picture and try to tell you there's something called transubstantiation. Now, that's a nice big word for you, but it means that once it hits your mouth and you begin to swallow it, it actually becomes Jesus's flesh. And once you swallow it, it actually becomes hemoglobin, turns into blood, and you're actually drinking his blood because they misunderstand this. He is not talking about his literal blood or his literal flesh. He is talking about if you are going to live eternally, you need sustenance, something to sustain you. The only thing that will sustain you into your eternal life is because the blood of Jesus Christ and the body of Jesus Christ. Just like the only thing that sustains us day by day is our daily food. Now you see in this picture, God in the very beginning says, I'm going to sustain you, but not by blood. That's something special. Stay away from that. There is one thing that the blood will sustain. That is Jesus Christ's blood will sustain you into your eternal life. You get this? this is an amazing picture. And again, I, I want it to be understood. This blood that you and I have within our veins, that every living creature has in it, that God has put there, is specifically designed to picture salvation. It is so powerful that demons want to mess with it, that pagans want to deal with it. I'm telling you, don't underestimate it. When he warns us about not eating the blood, it is set aside, it is specific, it is holy, right? It is sanctified, set apart. Because it is the one thing that you and I can depend on for our eternal sustenance. The sacrifice of Jesus' body and the shedding of his blood is the only one thing in this world that can sustain us into eternal life. Just like the food that every day sustains us. So my question here today is, have you eaten of his flesh and drinking, drank his blood? Now please, you know what I mean. Have you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ? I get a, one of those uh, daily Bible things on my phone, which is over there. Um, and the daily Bible verse that pops up for me today is uh, Romans 10, uh, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You and I need a full dependence on Jesus' sacrifice. The day of atonement was the day that the blood was put on the altar to roll back that sin for a year. The day of atonement in God's full picture is when Jesus Christ shed his blood for once forever to secure eternal salvation for you and me. That's what we're talking about. That's why blood is so important. Please understand this. Now, I say that because there's a lot of people in this world today, Christians, people who have written commentaries, newer versions of the Bible that would love to take blood out of the picture. They don't want to talk about it because it's disgusting. Yeah, it is pretty gross. 
But it is the one thing. Because life is in the blood. The life of this flesh is in this blood. The life of my eternal being is in his blood. Don't ever let anybody take away the blood, of, uh, blood as a picture. Because the other thing is if we turn that over and don't understand the power behind it, we donate all that power to those who use it for evil. So today, as we're getting done, a couple things. Have you trusted in Christ as your Savior? Do you know by his body and his blood he has given you eternal life? Yes. Hallelujah, I hope so. Number two, do you picture and glorify God every time you pick up a fork and eat your food? That hits a little closer to home, doesn't it? We love the fact, yeah, pastor, about 20-some-odd years ago, I asked Jesus to be my Savior. I'm great. Are you glorifying him every day? Because the Bible says, you know what? Whatsoever you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. That you know what? You could thank God for every piece of food that you and I can eat in this world, but it should be given to God, set apart with thanksgiving and the word of God in prayer. And Father, I'm sitting down to eat breakfast, and thank you so much for keeping me alive one more day to serve you. Lord, here's lunch, here's dinner, here's supper, here's afternoon tea, eleven Z's or whatever. No matter what you and I use to sustain ourselves, we need to realize that God is the one who's keeping us alive. And it's a privilege to serve him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, what it teaches us. This was a little heavy today, Lord. I'll be honest. But Father, so is the blood. It is something that is a central theme throughout the entire Bible. Lord, it is precious. It is powerful. It is special. And Lord, we need to make sure we remember that. So Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross. Because without the blood, there's no remission of sin. Thank you that you got our redemption through your blood. Lord, I'm so thankful. But Father, on a daily basis, Lord, thank you for providing for us. We are able to live day to day because of what we eat, what you nourish us with. And Father, it's something that every time we put something in our mouth, we can be thankful that you keep us. Lord, it's a privilege to serve. Now, Lord, help us to go out into this world and remind them that Jesus Christ is the only cure to this world's ills. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen.